Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Hey, welcome into it. It is another Saturday morning, the day after St. Patrick's Day. Am I hungover? Are we are we recovering? Are we trying to survive here? What's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah. Boy, we got a big show lined up for you today. We are doing legislative recap today. Ignosium. Bottom of the hour, Paul Wagner, State Representative, District 104 in the Hutchinson area. He'll be joining us. We'll uh, look forward to chatting with him. Have not talked with him yet for the legislative session of this year. Uh, top of next hour, Rebecca Schmoy, State Representative from District Number 59. We'll talk with her about the Eddie Eagle program, among other things as well. We have also a special interview uh, wrapping up the program at the end of the, uh, end of the day today, about 10.30 with an event coming to Wichita here in a couple weeks, Disney on Ice. A little voice of reason, excited about that. So we'll talk with one of the skaters with Disney on Ice. we got a heck of a lot to get to. We have uh, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly officially vetoing a bill. Remember, the governor who said she's a non-veto governor. She doesn't like vetoing things, but yet has vetoed more things than any governor in like the last 30 years. So uh, take that as you will. Uh, the latest one regarding the... Women's edu- or the uh, women's uh, athletics bill. Oh my, the women's athletics bill with the it's, and actually I think that one passed with a super majority from both sides. So it'll be interesting to see why she vetoed that and what's going to happen moving forward. So we'll have all that coming up for you. But right in studio with us right now, I mean to kick it off right out of the gate from District Number Ninety Four, State Representative Leo Delperdang. Leo, good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Andy. How are you doing? Good. Good to have you back in again. And from District Number Eighty Five, the man himself, Patrick Penn. What's hey, up, brother? It was good, Andy. How you feeling, baby? Let's man, get it cooking. Let's let go. It rock and roll. I mean, you guys kicking it off right out of the gate here. Uh, that was a big one. That was a long haul. We talked with uh, Renee Erickson last week regarding the uh, the. Uh, women's athletic bill mm-hmm. and uh, the house ended up passing it with a decent majority what 82 to 40 i think on that one with that uh, house bill 2238 yeah on the education so it's, for those that don't know the acts concerning education relating to student athletes creating the fairness and women's sports act restricting participation on women's teams to female students i have been the news has been all over this one with all the angry hate mob from the other side about how this is an attack on transgender individuals, but I am surprised the governor has vetoed this bill with such strong support in both chambers for this bill that sounds like could actually easily get overridden on her veto. And I believe we are going to try to do just that. Mm, you is know, that and, Andy, this is session? not a bill against transgenders. This is a bill for the women and the athletes. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on how you look at it. And at some point, we've got to take a stance and stand up for for the women. Well, we have to. It's weird that we actually have to find a definition between what is a man and what is a woman. It's very strange that we actually have to do that in today's society, but apparently we do. And, it's, and when we actually see hormonal differences, bodybuild differences between men and women in participating in sports, where a guy can't go into a women's sports uh, team and just dominate and break all the records and be like, oh, look, I did that as a woman. It's just weird uh, to me. But again, the other side thinks this is nothing more than just a blatant attack on rights. I'm concerned on what the, and you guys have actually been hearing a lot of the, the discussion in the House, what's been the flavor and what's been the opinion from the actual feminists 
that are there because you would think that women that are hyping up women as feminists would be against men coming in and dominating women when their entire movement is we want women into independence. Right. And we got to actually meet the, uh, uh, I think she was a national swimming Riley champion. Gaines. Do you remember her, her name? Riley Gaines. Riley Gaines. Gaines. She right, was yeah. up and spoke with us. And her title was simply removed because a guy who was, I believe, 468th in the country yeah. decided to compete against her, and he took the title away. Shocker. How is this fair to the women? But, I mean, but even and, and Leo, you're you're exactly right. When Riley came before us and talked uh, at a, one of our caucus meetings, it wasn't even that he took the title from her. They were matched in that title championship, not down to the minute, mm-hmm. not down to the tenth of a minute to the hundredths of a second mm-hmm. is where they were. Wow. And they were completely matched, and that's the best that yeah. he could do. And when they had the opportunity to give out the trophy, the team came to her, the, the coach and stuff, and said, we're going to give, or the official rather, we're going to give it to William uh, Thomas. I'm sorry, Leah? <laughs> William. Whatever, yeah. William Thomas, uh, because of a photo op. So her whole career, all of the time that she had missed as a kid, had been distilled down into a photo op. And, Andy, I want to go back to what you said these aren't anti-trans, these aren't anti-LGBTQ, these are pro-women bills, and I think the bills that you're talking about are the uh, Fairness in Women's Sports Act and the uh, Women's Bill of Rights. And what I would say is just what you said. Where are the feminists? You keep coming to us and saying whenever a man balls up his fist, it is offering violence against a woman. That's domestic violence, but you're completely okay sending our daughters and our women into the ring with men who decide that they want to identify as a woman. The one other thing that I will say, and I promise I'll shut up. Look here. I entered the middle class through the military. Mm. Many black folks do. Another way that they enter the middle class is through athletic prowess. Sure. You ever heard of somebody named Venus Williams? Yeah. How about mm. another black woman named Serena Williams? Sure. You ever heard of any of those young ladies on the Olympic team uh, doing the gymnastics? Exactly. So here's the problem that we have. Laura Kelly, who made a campaign promise to stay in the middle of the road, is willing to disadvantage and destroy black people's access to the middle class through athletics because those scholarships and those opportunities are going to be taken away by biological men to the detriment of black women. It's weird. So you guys made national news with these topics, with the gender bill and with this one, obviously, with the with the athletics bill and the mainstream media, obviously, going after you guys pretty harshly. But we would not be the first state to actually pass this if this if you guys are able to override the governor's veto, would we? I mean, you'd be in line with a lot of other states that are actually pushing this type of legislation. Right. right. There is other states that are also pushing it. Something that really jumps out at me, if I can just the first sentence of the bill brief on this, it establishes the Women's Bill of Rights and provides a meaning of biological sex for purposes of statutory construction. <laughs> Why do we need legislation to do this? I, That's the I'm part I'm struggling with. That's the part that I'm struggling with. I'm at a loss. I don't understand. But uh, at least you guys passed it with a decent majority. It seems like the majority of people in the legislature get it. And mm-hmm. with the governor now vetoing it, when will this come back up for a veto over? Well, will this be like in the next week or will this be in the veto session at I the end? I think it's going to be, well, it's going to be in the, well... It depends, it depends on uh, circumstance. If we have yeah. people who are out because of uh, physical ailments or sickness or dealing with family issues and we don't have the numbers at a particular time, yeah. we'll run it when we have the, the, the culmination of all the people. Yeah, I could see it either way. I mean, it, it has been vetoed, so we can run it at any time. Any time. But yeah. will it wait until veto session? I'm not sure. It's an option there. That would be uh, interesting. Did you have the number again as far as what it passed by? Uh, in the House, according to the legislative website, mm-hmm. HB 2238 passed 82 to 
40 in the 82. House. 82. And if I remember correctly, there were at least two Republicans who were out that day that for, uh, for, three. Ex- for excused absences. We knew where they were, and it was cool. But So there is two or three votes that could play into this, and if that's the case, we will have a veto over. Very interesting. That'll be fun to see. Outside of that one, you guys have been busy this last couple of weeks. Holy cow, we've seen the flat tax, I use that in air quotes, the flat tax bill uh, that was pushed by the Kansas Chamber of Commerce on that one with, what, 4.5% across the board, Mm -hmm. uh, which has been gaining some traction, it sounds like. Then we saw the headline this week as well that the marijuana legislation is potentially dead for the session as well. Have we heard any news on that one? Well, and keep in mind, the House ran that, I think it was last year. Yeah. And it passed through the House, but... It died in the Senate. It died in the so Senate. thanks our leadership. Let it pass through the Senate first and throw it back to us instead of us taking repeat votes and expecting a different outcome. Yeah, there's been, what, two different bills on that issue. One of them that would actually just decriminalize it. The other one that would allow the growing of it for marijuana, a medical side for uh, veterans to mm-hmm. be able to buy it here in the area. And then, of course, the actual medical marijuana bill that you guys worked on last year. So I guess there's really three different bills have been floating there and haven't heard a whole lot of traction on that from either chamber. So this point in time, kind of interesting. Yeah, it sits with the Senate, but I will tell you, uh, the first year that I was up there, I was on Fed and State, we actually considered the me- medical marijuana mm-hmm. bill. It wasn't medicinal, it wasn't medical. Sure. And that, that was a lot of the qualms that the conservatives had, and we wanted to put on amendments uh, to actually make it medicinal, and those were not approved. So what was teed up was a commercial light type of bill, and we see what happened down in Oklahoma, we don't want that coming up into Kansas. So what we really want to do is be um, deliberative about this whole thing. And right now it sits with the Senate. And like Leo said, don't put us on a bad vote unnecessarily. Let's see what the Senate wants to do. Well, I'll see what they want to do. And let's craft something that's actually going to work for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about the flat tax for a minute as well. Four and a half percent across the board. Uh, It would eliminate tax on the first $15,000. That is that's kind of in line with what we see right now with a three-tiered tax system. Um, Would this raise anybody's taxes at all or would it keep it relatively flat and where are we at with this bill you want to jump in first on that oh, no go ahead brother well i'm to me i'm thinking it would it would help the majority of the people okay uh some are trying to say oh you're you're trying to help the rich out no because <laughs> of the the base deduction on there it's going to help the, the the lower end of it as well um and it does just flatten it out so it makes it makes accounting for it a whole bunch more simpler can we get rid of our statewide irs that be don't get me started don't get me started on that but no i don't think it goes that far so and it i've also heard it tied in with the food tax uh, as you know we're stair-stepping that thing down mm-hmm. uh been several people have talked to us about the flat tax plus can you tie it in and eliminate the food tax all at once right now yeah gotcha. so i don't know if that's going to happen i know <clears throat> the reason we stair-stepped the food tax down originally is because of the amount of revenues involved. And I don't care who the governor is or was, whether it had been Schmidt or Laura Kelly, going into this year, because of the loss in revenues, we're trying to figure out what does this do? Let's stair-step thing, this thing down gently so we can account for it as it comes versus a all-or-none type thing. Yeah. So that's the reason on that. But then I've had some reach out to me. Uh, they're all for the flat tax, four and a half percent. I've had others reach out and say, you can't do that. It's going to raise our tax level. So 
we're hearing both sides of the spectrum. Very interesting. Now, you mentioned the sales tax as well on food, which we are working to tier step down. It was Mm -hmm. supposed to go down over the next year or so before it goes to zero. Governor Kelly's been pushing it to just be eliminated completely. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, I mean, uh, maybe we do need to self-identify as another gender because then apparently we get all of our feminine products that are actually removed from sales tax as well. So, So, I mean, why why include those things in there? And uh, is there a chance that we could see the sales tax on food and other items be removed as well you know the th- the problem i've got with that with the the food tax in itself when it goes to zero we've really decreased it by what three percent three and a half percent because it's only yeah. the state tax portion right and there's such a focus on how that's going to help three percent ch- change here in the meantime what have eggs done for example they went well, from a exactly. buck a dozen to seven dollars a dozen. Everybody is sitting around here putting eggs in their baguettes and everything right now no, on all their no engagement doubt. rings. Yeah. yeah. Because those things are so expensive. Exactly. Might as well do that instead of diamonds. Yeah, yeah, but I'd rather focus on what do we need to do to get some of this inflation down and get things back in order here versus what will three percent do on my hundred dollar grocery bill. Right. And I think that, and Leo, you bring up some really good points. Now I'm not down into the weeds on the numbers and everything, because I'm not on the relevant committees and that's not my background, but I do understand it as people on the street do. And right now everything costs too damn much. That's all there is to it. But I will also say this right here. There needs to be a reform done in that legislature over the entire tax uh, landscape. And, but that also calls into account that we need to get a spending uh, problem in hand as well. Because you have to raise the uh, raise and, and generate the taxes in order to pay for uh, the appropriations that you're pushing out. And if everybody wants to tax carve out an exemption and nobody wants to pay what they what they're supposed to pay, then we have an issue. And what I found is if there is no uh, there there would be no interest up there at all if it weren't for self interest. We have a lot of folk who say yeah we're hardcore Republican or conservative, limited government until it comes to their doorstep. Then they don't want to play ball. So when I look at this whole landscape, we need to really understand before we start making moves to cut taxes and everything, what are we doing on the obligation side that we have as well? And both of those conversations need to be having together. Last thing I'll say is this, 51 to 52 cents of every tax dollar in the state of Kansas goes to K through 12 education budget. Mm. 10 cents on every 10 to 11 cents of every tax dollar goes to uh, regions as well. So for all the taxes that are accumulated, that's 62 cents on every dollar going out to education. And what is the ROI? What return on investment are you getting? You have me telling you have the school telling us uh, the Department of Education saying that we are graduating kids at 88, 89 percent graduation rate, slapping that bumper sticker on their behind. But the kids (laughs) can't read the bumper sticker. So what I need people to do is reach out to their doggone elected officials, both in the Senate and the House, and help them to and encourage them to vote for school choice and make sure that if the governor uh, vetoes that, that we maintain the override on school choice. It's another big one. I'm glad you mentioned that. I want to do that when we come back here from the break because, uh, yeah, you guys did pass it, but it was a slim margin. So if the governor does veto that one, again, being the non-veto governor that she says that she is working across the aisle, trying to do the middle of the road thing, uh, if she does veto that one, the question is, are we, are we going to be able to override her veto? on that issue. I think what we need to do though, because both of you just mentioned everything's so damn expensive, especially with eggs. 
We need to bring that uh, the rent is too damn high guy into Kansas. <laughs> from New York. Uh, yeah, from New York. That uh, Jimmy McMillan. We just need to bring him. The rent is too damn high, and no matter what, that's, that's the one issue. What's wrong? The rent's too damn high. I don't know. He might he might uh, challenge you for that facial hair. Mm, have to work on that one. That's right. That's right. Let's take a break here. State Representatives Leo Delpert and Patrick Penn here in studio with us. We got a lot of reps coming on the program today as we get an update on what's really going on in. Uh, Topeka because, well, I mean, the mainstream media, I don't know how much you can trust them with what's really going on. So we'll break it all down for you right here on the show. If you want to call in any comments or questions, you can at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK here on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. I know yesterday was St. Patrick's Day, but we're going to be using the St. Patty's Day bumps all throughout the day today because why the hell not? We do whatever the hell we want to on this program. 22 minutes past the hour. Stay right here. Four minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday morning. Happy post St. Patrick's Day. I'm sure that the shenanigans, as Joe Biden says, will be occurring throughout the day today and recovering throughout the weekend. So hopefully you have a great one. Wear the I, I, I feel bad, though. I'm actually not wearing green for the first time. And I don't know how many years. I wore it all yesterday, but I, I'm not wearing any of it today. So it's kind of weird. State Representatives Leo Delperding, Patrick Penn in studio here for a few more minutes. Uh, right after the bottom of the hour, we have State Representative Paul Wagner, from the Hutchinson area, District 104. He'll be joining us on the phone here momentarily. We got a few minutes left here, so let's cover a couple other things. Uh, Leo, you're on the Energy Committee, so you get to talk about the fun energy rates. And obviously, Joe Biden said we were going to see like a 30% increase on electric rates nationwide. I'm trying to do something about that. Uh, trying to make sure that doesn't happen. Where I'm are we at with electric rates right now? And uh, could we actually not see that going into 100-degree yeah. summertime? Well, we had a bill, <clears throat> House Bill 2225, and we have been hammering and hammering on this thing for weeks. And I've had no less than a dozen attorneys working on all angles of this thing with us. And we hammered out a really good compromise with Evergy and the Citizens Utility Rate Ratepayers Board and Kansans for elect, lower electric rates. Just this, this just goes on and on and on. Took it to the House floor on uh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, uh, Thursday. Thursday, I believe, is when okay. I carried it to the House floor. And it passed through there almost unanimously. Nice. Um, but what this thing does is we, we'll provide on day one, if we can get it through the Senate and get the governor's signature on it, day one is about $11 million reduction in electric rates across Kansas hey. for Evergy customers. And we're going to add on top of that about $2 million additional savings per year, pancaking on top of each other each year. So this thing could add up to some pretty good savings. It's not the... Everything we're going to do, it's, but it's a good first step. I'm really proud of how everybody came to the table. We had, yeah. like I said, it was a it was a lot of work, a lot of hours went into this thing. But uh, I'm pretty confident we will get it through. It was compromised. It was negotiated, and we passed it out of the committee. And did it the proper I, way. Look at did that. it the right way. Yeah, so. I like that. Uh, is there any, uh, we've talked a little bit about this before, some of the alternative energies that are in the state of Kansas and other ways to create energy usage in the state outside of 
oil uh, and potentially nuclear. But mm-hmm. I mean, do we are we still talking about expanding wind energy, which is a big thing? I know we outsource a lot of that, but then you've also talked about other things coming to the yep. state as well. Uh, what are we looking at on diversification? Well, I have been a big proponent for trying to get some hydrogen production going on here. Kansas yeah. has a unique geological formation where, as far as storage. We've got a huge pipeline infrastructure for being able to ship the, the stuff. Um, it, it's just what's coming in the future. And so I'm working along with the Federal Department of Energy to get some big grants in here to possibly start ramping up some uh, production within the state. We are sitting real close to receiving possibly upwards of $1.2 billion in federal grants, and we already, already have private donors who are stepping up to match that. Mm-hmm. So that is a huge amount that we could go start putting into production. We are talking thousands and thousands of possible jobs. Um, I'm estimating upwards of somewhere between 6 to $9 billion with a B in additional revenues coming into the state if we can get this project off the ground and start supplying the country. We do have a few auto manufacturers who are already jumping up for, yes, electric vehicles. I think they're they're coming, whether you like it or not. <laughs> but if we can start powering them things by hydrogen and fuel cells versus plugging them into the grid, it's going to be a game changer. Very interesting. I love it. Patrick, we got just about a minute or so here as we kind of wrap up, but what have, what's been kind of the big ones you've been working on over the last week or so? Well, uh, I've been working on a couple of things, and I've, I've finished all of my plate. Uh, we were, had an opportunity to recognize Foster Chisholm during Black History Month, who is the uh, first and only uh, black man at 83 years old to hold the post of Sergeant at Arms for the entire House chamber. So we mm-hmm. gave him his roses, nice. and the Republicans led the way on that. Uh, that was at the order of Speaker Dan Hawkins, so we were very, very happy to have that uh, take place. Uh, it. it was a good bipartisan moment, and you know, we can't, can't yeah. help but be bipartisan <laughs> on that. And we also uh, did something called House Bill uh, 2376, I think it is, uh, where we were dealing with restrictive covenants. Uh, uh, so that was really cool, too. But I want to go back to something, if I may, very quickly with uh, Leo. 15 seconds. Leo is uh, chair is chairman of the utilities. I sit on it for the first time, and I wanted to uh, let oh. your audience know that he is the most awesome uh, leader that we've ever had because he actually instructs the entire team. He has the support not only of the committee, but he has the support of uh, Speaker Hawkins as well when those shenanigans start to happen. So Leo's a very smart guy. Thank you. And uh, you can send the Venmo that to me. Uh, but bottom line up front, we're very, very happy. And, I love uh, it. I love it. Man, you guys killing it. Getting some good energy going. Leo, Patrick, always good to talk to you guys, my friends. Got to take a break. Paul Wagner right around the corner here on KQAM. One, and he's right here. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Darn right, it is. Welcome into it. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 on the AM side, 99.7 HD4 on the FM side. If you have the HD channel, you can check it out there, 99.7 HD4. Listen to us coming in clear as a bell on a high definition on the FM channel. Appreciate you coming out and hanging out with us here on a Saturday morning. As always, we are rolling through the day right now with some legislative updates. A lot of big stuff going on in the legislature over the last few weeks. And uh, we talked with a lot of them last week. We just had on Leo Delperdang, Patrick Penn, 
in studio with us for the last half hour. We continue that on here as we have now on the line from Hutchinson, Kansas, and excited to have him back on because this is the first time we've chatted with him for this session. It's been a little bit since we've had him on the program from District Number 104. Excited to have back on the program, State Representative Paul Wagner. Paul, how are you, my friend? Yeah, doing very well, Andy. Uh, great great to be on. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. It's uh, Boy, what a wild session you guys have had. We were just uh, talking off the air a little bit, and uh, it's it's been nonstop for you guys this entire session. How are you feeling this year? I'm actually feeling pretty good. I mean, I don't know if, uh, if uh, Penn or Gelper Gang, but talked about it but one of the first things with any new session is just kind of seeing how the freshmen play out because uh you know we had like i think 25 plus uh, gop freshmen and maybe 10 democrats and sometimes you get surprises both good and bad i think on the gop side i've really been pretty impressed with our freshman crop uh how they voted not too many sort of bad surprises and uh on the democrat side you've actually had uh, one or two of the democrats kind of break ranks uh these freshmen um, uh, I mean, in our, you, you know, I know we'll talk about it later, but on the women's and sports bill, you had uh, this representative Carr out of Wichita, uh, Robinson uh, out of Kansas City broke with uh, his party on school choice, yeah. and and th- those are very good signs. And um, uh, and frankly, I, I mean, just secondarily, uh, it is important to know both those guys are you know African American uh, Democrats, and you know the Democrat Party kind of the more kind of woke it gets, uh, you do have a lot of sort of social conservatism, you know, within the African-American community, and sometimes it really shows out. And I think both these guys are from urban districts that, you know, just don't uh, vote the way a bunch of, um, you know, left-wing college professors would. And so uh, I think it's it's a good sign. We'll see how, how it plays out. It is a good sign. What do you think the reasoning is for it? Is it just the fact that we're passing and working on some really good legislation that actually benefits them and we're looking at it in a nonpartisan manner? Why do you think we're seeing some flips now? Is it the, just the Democrat well, caucus is breaking apart? Um, you know, it's. I mean, I you, you if you uh, study school choice, for instance, I mean, it's actually very popular with, uh, you know, minority populations all across the U.S. I mean, because, I mean, they're the ones – frankly, who have been kind of hammered by, by poor public schools or public schools that aren't accountable or public schools that just sort of take them for granted and don't really give the kids a good education. And then on the social issues, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, the church is very strong. A lot of, a lot of uh, you know, Christian churches uh, in the African-American community, uh, I mean, they have sort of basic moral values that you know, when it comes to something like, you know, a guy being in women's sports and everybody just pretending it's okay, uh, you know, they'll 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 call out they'll call it out and they won't they won't stand for it. Well, it's well, it's good to hear. Well, let's jump into that one. Obviously, that was the big headline for this week, and uh, we briefly talked about it. Obviously, the governor has uh, just vetoed the uh, women's sports bill, which was a bit of a shocker to me. As the one that says she's wanting to work across the aisle, she wanted to be middle yeah. of the road. She's not being partisan, and she even said during the campaign trail that obviously it's common sense that men should not be competing in women's sports. So she's openly said that, and yet she vetoed it with a super majority. A passage in both chambers on the bill, kind of an interesting yeah. stance from her. Yeah, no, um, one of the other issues with this new session is how is Laura Kelly going to respond? Because, <laughs> of course, prior to this, you know, she had been up for re-election. Now she's being re-elected. She can't be, you know, she's term limited. Uh, you know, how is she going to uh, act going forward as far as playing to her base versus trying to sort of pretend to be moderate, uh, you know, to uh, appeal to the voters? And I think you see it coming out here that that she's 
she's just too lockstep uh, with the whole, you know, rainbow flag coalition uh, that she's going to let ideology trump biology, which is just ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, even when she says it's common sense that men shouldn't be performing in women's sports, it's weird. We see the men that are trying to break records left and right, and yet it's – and I asked this question to Leo and Patrick. Maybe you have an interesting Uh take on it as well. But the feminist movement themselves that are trying to show that, you know, women are strong, that women are independent doing their own thing, this this radical feminist movement – how are they uh, responding to this? Are they saying, welcome aboard and come in here and dominate? Or are they like, wait a second, you're actually a guy, and you're kind of taking the thunder away from women when our entire purpose is trying to show how strong women actually are here? Yeah, no, it, it, it very much is at cross-purposes, and, and there really are some very solid you know, feminist organizations that are against uh, this notion of men um, being in women's sports. I mean, I'm frankly, it makes a mockery of just, you know, kind of women's experience or, you know, being in a woman's body somehow doesn't matter anymore when, you know, just ideologically that that's a lot of what the feminist movement is, is based upon. And, um, uh, you know, I think it's, 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 it's funny how politics makes strange bedfellows, uh, but you really do have uh, folks all across the spectrum, particularly on the feminist wing, who, who would, who would support the fact that, you know, this is, not fair uh, to girls that there's you know inherent biological differences and uh, to women's sports. Um, I mean, I mean, actually, Andy, if you go back to the 1960s when they first you know made put sex in as part of a non-discriminatory category, one of the one of the things they knew immediately is that that didn't mean that you're going to have unisex bathrooms. That didn't mean that all sports teams would be co-ed. Yeah. I mean, in other aspects of society, things would be co-ed and on an even basis, but there was always a carve-out for sports, and there was always a carve-out you know, for private spaces uh, for, you know, for women and men. And, and just the, the rejection of this by the transgender movement and all of that is, is really kind of stunning, and, and it's also, but, but they've crossed a bridge that that i think you know the feminists or certainly the old school feminists uh would 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 call them out on yeah it's very strange we're talking with state representative paul wagner it's a it's a strange world we live in in today's times the fact that uh uh, we actually have to go down this road and have that conversation uh let's shift gears a little bit and uh i know you're on the uh, one of the committees with child welfare and foster care and something that the governor has done, which I actually think that is a good idea, I think that it's kind of weird, again, that we have to go down the road and that she's investing money in this. But I guess it's about time that we've started focusing on this, is that she's sunk in money trying to focus on the family unit and trying to focus on needing the family unit so that way we don't need to have more kids in the child welfare program in the foster care system. Because I know for a, for years the system's been broken. We've had kids missing. We've had kids sleeping on couches in the office. We've had a lot of issues in that system. And finally, we're saying let's actually focus on the family unit to make that better to where we don't need as many kids in this system. Uh, where are we at with this? And do you, do you agree with that move? Well, well, you know, there was uh, a bill we passed, uh, came through about two, three years ago, uh, called the Family First Act, which basically uh, the gist of it was trying to keep kids who were kind of in danger. I mean, the family was sort of shaky, and uh, it looked like perhaps the kids would be in foster care to to come alongside them and try and reinforce the family unit and kind of keep it together and functioning well, rather than just yanking the kids out and sending them to foster care. Um, you know, you have seen the fact in Kansas 
our numbers have dropped from about 7,400 uh, kids in foster care. I think we're down to like 6,500 or somewhere in the in the low 6,000s. I mean, I think the Family First Act has been has been helpful. Um, again, it's it, it's a little bit of a funny thing legislatively because as much as if you look at the actual social science, you see you know how much of the dysfunction is just caused by the weakening of you know the two parent family unit, yeah. but but legislatively. Everything just becomes another government program, you know. Like, like you, you don't even, you know, there's sort of the elephant in the room, which is problems with families or aspects that have made the family unit weaker. I mean, just, just again, I mean, as far as marriage rates and and such, uh, but we, you know, we sort of ameliorate. We spend, you know, tens of millions of dollars every year, kind of ameliorating the fact uh, that you have a weakening family unit, uh, and and you know, the Democrats will sometimes give some service to it, lip service at the least, but but boy, it's um, I, I will say being on some of the the ch- child welfare committees, it's more it, it's still a much more just you know let's have another never another government program and and call it a day. Yeah, well, and we, and we know the government actually doesn't solve the issue. You can't regulate morality through government, which is as conservatives what we believe that we just want to stay out of it. We just want to create what it sounds like we we need to create the opportunities. To where the families don't need to be split up by giving opportunities to not be so stressed financially with high tax rates or high interest rates or high inflation where they have to work two or three jobs and they have the opportunity to actually be at home with their children, helping them with the schoolwork and having conversations to be a family unit. And just the way the world is right now, the way the country is right now, that opportunity is being taken away, I think, and that's making the issue worse. Yeah, no, it it, it, it is a fact that there's a lot of... Um, Causes that are going into uh, you know weakening the family, and of course a lot of things are governmental cause as far as you know just you know taxation, regulation, policy things that make for lower economic growth. I mean, you compare if you ever look at the metrics by county uh, in my district, I have part of McPherson County now. I mean, McPherson County, you have a much sort of stronger family units. I mean, the uh, percent of children who are born out of wedlock is like half of what it is in Reno County or Sedgwick County. Mm. And and you see a, a, a ton of just social metrics for McPherson County that are very strong and very high, just basically because they still have those intact family units. It's not everybody, but it's, it's, it's just so much more the norm. Uh, and you do see the benefit to just how kids, crime rate, you know, the whole social fabric. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, you're all. I know you also focus on a lot of the welfare reforms here in the state as well. Uh, we're seeing the news nationally come down that now individuals are going to have to start qualifying again for their Medicaid expansion or for their WIC or for their SNAP programs at the federal level. And the media has had a heyday with this that everybody's going to be dying in the streets and that we're never going to have all these resources anymore. Where are we at with that process? And are we actually needing that continued expansion of some of these programs in the state? Yeah, uh, the the uh, Welfare Reform Committee, uh, it's headed by Francis Awerkamp, who's really a, a great rep out of St. Mary's. Uh, you know, we, we've had some very good hearings, but I will say the bills that we've had come forth so far have been just sort of minor changes 
and and you'd be amazed by the blowback you get from I mean all the people coming to testify against it you know that you can't require child support uh, for uh, you know cooperation with child support uh, that you can't require uh, work requirements or having even work training uh, something that we that is required for people from age 18 to 49 we have a bill that just takes it from age 50 to 59 an existing requirement and 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 man you you, you would think uh, that we're you know, pushing people over the cliff or something with that by, by simply requiring uh, people to go out and look for a job. I mean, it's not like uh, there's any jobs waiting for people out there anymore. I mean, uh, you know, and and so it's um, – but the welfare reform, I'm glad uh, that we have it. It's a new committee. Uh, it's great to be looking at it. But but there there is a lot of pushback uh, from your uh, sort of social welfare establishment for anything that is a stricter requirement or, I mean, just a minimal requirement – uh, that basically, by by their taking, uh, they just want folks to have the um, resources and nobody to ask any questions. And the example you raised about the Medicaid, uh, which was expanded during the COVID period, sort of temporarily by the federal government. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think if we don't do anything, I think everybody will. It it, it does phase off. We did actually have some uh, a hearing on that, uh, at least an informational hearing on how that would play out. And and it does um, it does start phasing out, you know. Here, I think like in April is when when it really starts uh, kicking in. Interesting. Uh, speaking of, I know that uh, with Medicaid, the governor's still pushing her Medicaid expansion in the state to just make it permanent and allow individuals, more individuals, to actually jump on board with that. Uh, doesn't sound like it's going to go forward, obviously, with the Republican legislature. But uh, what's been the conversation that you've heard on that issue? I mean, the Medicaid expansion—it's—it's it's such a dead issue. I mean, I mean, literally. I—I'm I, amazed. I mean, the reason you hear it talked about is because it's such a—it's such a large amount of money. I mean, it would be—I mean, Governor Kelly acts like it's only fifty million dollars or a hundred million dollars, but the totality of the program is like a billion, billion and a quarter every year, uh, as far as to the all funds budget for the state. But I, there, there's no stomach for it. I mean. Uh, when I was first in the House uh, back in 2019, you did actually have a majority of representatives who, who I mean, and they did, they had a gut and go and, you know, passed a Medicaid expansion bill. But, but a lot of those uh, liberal Republicans and, um, you know, moderates uh, for that issue have been defeated over the last four years. And uh, on this go around, I, I, I just do not see that. I don't think they have a ghost of a chance on Medicaid expansion. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? So we're talking with State Representative Paul Wagner, District 104. It's going to be another hit on the governor, and uh, I'm sure she's not going to be happy about that one. Last issue, as we kind of shift gears here, let's talk about elections for a second. I know you're vice chair with the Elections Committee. Uh, there's yeah. been some talks about reforms on the election and electoral process, and uh, Chris Kobach, I know, has been working on some issues from the, Secretary, uh, from the Attorney General's office, and then we have Scott Schwab in the Secretary of State's office working on some changes, but what's the latest conversation on trying to reform the way elections are done here in the state? Well, you know, there there is a, uh, the House Bill, the 2086, is kind of a uh, a reform in just a broader sense for a lot of the statute, just kind of getting a lot of things up to date. Uh, it would it will be a very helpful. It's not too controversial, frankly. But you know, the question about on you know when should ballots arrive as far as mail-in ballots and what is the deal with drop boxes? I mean, should we be skeptical of them or should we be I want to say paranoid of them? There, um, you know, in House elections, uh, we did get the Senate had passed a bill that had been amended kind of like twice, and basically effectively banned uh, drop boxes. 
and uh, you know we had a hearing on it. You know, in the House, um, I, I mean, not to get too much in the weeds, but but literally, I mean, a drop box is frankly more secure than a U.S. post office box. Right. And 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 frankly, and actually, the case where you had uh, the the Kansas bill we passed two or three years ago on ballot harvesting had to do with a representative up in Newton who was a Democrat who was like notorious for uh, you know harvesting. I mean, he he literally was going to nursing homes and everywhere. He he would turn in dozens of ballots, but I mean, he, he put them in the post office box. I mean, there was there was no magic as far as a drop box being somehow less secure. The real security on our mail in ballots is the fact of what the the uh, county clerks, you know, they have to, they, they can't receive a ballot unless it's one they already sent out. Uh, you know, they have signature verification. There's a number of different ways that things are verified. Uh, so that, that bill in the House isn't really going anywhere. Uh, really what has, I think, the most traction is making it where Kansas joins uh, 30 other states or 31 other states where you have to have your ballot in to the county election office by 7 o'clock on Election Day. Yes. That there's no kind of giving it a couple of days to go through the mail. Uh, I mean, this this was what we used four or five years ago in Kansas. Uh, they changed it. Uh, but, you know, again, it's there's enough concern about mail-in ballots. I think just this makes the process more... More, it's not more accountable, but it's just more, uh, more clean, more clear, more just trend. And I think it, it, it would be a good move, and it's something we're going to do. And of course, you know, but we do have a court ruling now uh, that just came out from the Kansas Court of Appeals that uh, invalidated the ballot harvesting bill, and so that's going to be appealed. I know Kovac's going to take it to the Supreme Court, but you know, man, uh, it's Kansas. We have not had to fight the courts as much as other other states, and we actually have. Very good election processes, frankly, uh, because you've had Republican Secretary of State who've been concerned about this for the last 10 years. Uh, you've had Republican legislatures. Um, you know, it's it's the, this court ruling is going to be uh, a real sticky wicket, and we'll have to see what how that plays out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well, like you said, though, I mean, we have a great electoral system, and I'm confident in our electoral system here in Kansas to the point to where, I mean, when Georgia did their big revision after the 2020 election, uh, they based a lot of their electoral changes off of what we do here in the state of Kansas. So that should be a good sign of the fact that we're doing something positive and constructive of our end. And I love the fact that we are actually going to be uh, capping off the mail-in ballots on election night. If you you have like three months to, or two months to get your early ballot in and actually mail it in. If you can't do it by that time, then, you know, you just, you know, you're out of time, my friends. Yep. It's, it's crazy. Paul Wagner, state representative for district number 104 in the Hutchinson area. Paul, we're out of time, my friend. So good to talk to you. It's been a while since we've had you on the program. Yeah. we got to get you back on and get another update soon. All right, excellent. Thanks. Great show. Hey, appreciate it. Always good to talk with you. We'll do it again very soon. All right, we've got to take a break. Get ready to wrap up hour number one. State Representative Rebecca Schmoy, District Number 59. She'll be joining us at the top of hour number two. We'll talk about the Eddie Eagle program and some other Second Amendment issues, among other topics as well. Plus, some lines open for you. Still want to hear from you on all these issues and a heck of a lot more on a post St. Patrick's Day Saturday here on Kansas Talk on the Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. By the hand, saying I'll take you for a ride. I said I cannot go there, there are things to get done. Said, boy, you must, cause I ain't got a son. There's a little secret no one should know. Deep into the forest, we both gotta go. I show you the way, I earn my daily bread. But then not to reveal it, or you're gonna lose your head. I'm a barrel, so whiskey, it ain't no champagne. It's a 
back into the program. Holy cow, hour number one all wrapped up and done already. Covered so much ground already. And we want to hear from you at 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Coming up, hour number two, State Representative Rebecca Schmoy, District number 59 up in northern Kansas area. We'll look forward to chatting with her. It's been a while since we've had her on the program as well. A lot of state legislative issues to get to. And, of course, it's St. Patrick's Day weekend. So why the heck not just celebrate? <laughs> and no, by the way, to clarify, I did not go crazy last night. I went home and I enjoyed my corned beef and cabbage because that's what Mrs. Voice of Reason does every year. And it's fantastic and absolutely wonderful. And it's the greatest thing that I could eat that all year long. But uh, we get we got to enjoy that a little bit. And then we watched some family movies. No craziness. Maybe today. We'll have to see. I'm not quite sure. Huh. We'll have to think about that one coming up. All right, hour number two right around the corner. We have some, uh, we'll take your phone calls. We'll get Rebecca Schmoy on the line here, edition number 59. And also bottom of the hour to wrap up as well, we have an interview with a, an event coming up in Kansas uh, here in Wichita at Interest Bank Arena next week, I want to say. And it's uh, Disney on Ice. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, we get to talk with one of the great uh, performers at Disney on Ice. Always fun to chat with them whenever they get into town. So we'll do that here coming up soon as well. Your thoughts with the school choice bill that passed narrowly in the legislature, also with the governor's veto on the women in sports bill that's the big news, and the fact that the marijuana bills, the medical marijuana that has been a hot topical issue for a lot of individuals this session, have not gone anywhere. And it sounds like they may be dead for this session, have to reconvene again next year. What's the holdup and why are they dragging their feet on that issue? We'll do all that and more. we got some calls online, so stick with us. We'll get to you as soon as we come back here in hour number two after our guest as well. Big show lined up. A lot of things going on here. Also, by the way, is a hint, hint, wink, wink starting here momentarily over on our sister station, KGSO. We do have the um, big basketball tournament, the NCAA basketball tournament going on. That uh, coverage begins at 10 o'clock, first tip at 11 o'clock. And you can hear that on our sister station at 1410 on the AM dial. Although, you don't need to worry about it because I already have the winning bracket. I already filled mine out. I know nothing about basketball, but I filled out my bracket and I it's going to win. Even though my championship's already busted because I had Utah State, which was like a number 15 seed or something. But hey, you know what? Crazier things have happened, my friends. <laughs> there it is. All right. Hour number two right around the corner. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker 1480 KQAM. Stay here. Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Holy cow, hour number one all wrapped up. Hour number two, ready to rock and roll for a Saturday morning. Good Saturday. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride, trying to wake you up, get you moving for the weekend like we do every single weekend right here on Kansas Talk. Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 on the AM dial, also 99.7 HD4. If you have that HD channel, you can listen to us there at 99.7 HD4 in the high-definition, high-quality FM frequencies. Welcome in 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. If you'd like to call in, we'd like to hear your thoughts momentarily. Although, I think one of my lines, one of my phone lines just went down, so it may be hopefully back up momentarily. Hang tight. If not, we'll only roll with a couple lines here. Not a big deal. 
Uh, so welcome into it. Hey, real quick, want to tell you about my friends over at Napoleon Appliance Repair. These guys were voted best of for 2022 by the Wichita Eagle for any of your appliance repairs, your refrigerator, your microwave or stove or your dishwasher, whatever appliance you may have in your home with any type of issues. Make sure to check them out. Napoleon Appliance Repair, LLC. You can find them on Facebook at Napoleon Appliance Repair, LLC. On Facebook, also give them a call at 316-409-1525. Highly recommend as they are rocking it with years of experience. They know how to work on some of the old school stuff along with the new technology computer chipped things. Makes me a little nervous thinking about that when you're when you're uh, uh, your your refrigerator knows more about what's in your refrigerator than what you do. You're out of carrots. We'll put it on your list for you. A little bit creepy, but if you like that stuff, well, then all the power to you. And Napoleon uh, Napoleon Appliance Repair can actually take care of that stuff for you as well. Again, give them a call, 316-409-1525. Also find them on Facebook at Napoleon Appliance Repair, LLC. Big first hour on the program, we had State Representatives Leo Delperdang and Patrick Penn in studio with us for the first half hour, covering a lot of ground on those. State Representative Paul Wagner, District 104 from the Hutchinson area. We just got done with in the last half hour. And let's shift right uh, into our next guest. Excited to have back on the program with us as well. Uh, freshman this year in the legislature from District Number 59. Excited to have back on the program, State Representative Rebecca Schmoy. Rebecca, how are you today? Great. It is always a pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, it's so good to chat with you, and I am so glad that you are rocking it in Topeka. How's uh, how's getting settled in for your freshman year? This has been uh, definitely one, I think, of like learning, you know, baptism under fire because you guys have covered so much ground this year in this session. How's the first year panning out so, for you so far? It is an exciting time to be in the Kansas legislature. Um, coming from the background that I came from with uh, Second Amendment advocacy, I'm used to all of the naysayers, and I'm used to the struggle and the fight. I'm, I have grown up in this. However, being on this side of things, uh, actually serving as the House representative for my district and kind of being in the thick of it with everything and not just Second Amendment or liberty-focused things, it has it, there is there is a learning curve involved, and I'm just so grateful that I have so many amazing uh, support system people, whether they're here at home supporting me or whether they are fellow legislators supporting me and showing me the ropes, or whether it's friends like you that I've made along the way that I can come on your show and we can discuss what's going on and how we can best help Kansans. It really is. I'm very blessed. We will say that. I am very blessed to be able to do what I get to do. It definitely does bring another perspective when you're, like you say, kind of behind the scenes, so to speak, to see what's happening behind enemy lines. Uh, we were talking off the air a bit about, you know, obviously the politician and and always wanting to, you know, overthrow the politician, trying to change the politician from within. Seeing it from that side, has it brought a different perspective on how some of this legislation is actually being crafted and the debate that goes on within the chambers? It absolutely does. Um, it's super easy, and we, I knew it going into it. It's really easy to armchair quarterback. Sure. It's really easy to see what the final product is and then pick it apart and shoot arrows at it. That part's easy. What's hard is all of the, the relationship building and the educating your fellow legislators and the trying to educate the constituents in, in your district and trying to make sure that everybody understands that, no, we didn't get the entire pie when we went with this bill. 
but we got a piece of it and we're going to take that piece. I'm not leaving that piece on the table. I am taking that back to my constituents and I am immediately going back to that next piece. And so it's, it's really easy for people at home to say, well, I don't like this about the bill or I don't like that about the bill that you've worked so hard on. It's much harder to be right there in the middle of it and have to do the negotiation and have to say, all right, what can we get past? Because if we can get this passed with this language, then let's do that. And then let's continue the conversation. Let's continue to work on it. Yeah. Amen to that. Thankfully, I already knew that from how we've uh, struggled with regaining our Second Amendment, our gun rights. And so I walked into it understanding that, but really having to do the process and having to watch other people navigate this process. We have a huge freshman class this year. And so watching them and trying to help them and rely on our leadership to help all of us navigate that process. That has been an amazing learning experience behind the curtain. I love it. I love hearing about the process and hearing about how things are done because it is such a battle. And it seems like sometimes we're even battling our own side of the aisle. But it sounds like I've been optimistic this year. It sounds like there's even Democrats going to our side on many issues, uh, which is encouraging and good to see for the session. It's whether we can actually get the governor on board with a lot of the issues as well. But (laughs) you mentioned the Second Amendment. Let's start right there today. Uh, Obviously, the big conversation in the last week or so has been the Eddie Eagle program. You guys have worked on that for a few years now, uh, but also uh, coming to light again. Where are we at? Can we actually see Eddie Eagle come in this year saying that, hey, kids, don't touch a firearm and go tell an adult? I mean, I don't know why that's controversial, but apparently it is. It's that three-letter acronym that is apparently a four-letter <laughs> word. That That is the only hang-up with this. I mean, when you have Democrats even saying, well, of course we should teach kids safety, then you're like, why do you keep shooting us down then? No yeah. pun intended. But seriously, they, they come against it specifically because of the three-letter acronym and what's amazing is that we keep having to tell people that you don't have to use the NRA's Eddie Eagle. All the bill says is that the tenants in that, the stop, don't touch, run away, tell a grown-up, that is what we are going for with this legislation, to make that the standard. And so if the school board decides that they don't like, they hate the NRA so much and with so much vigor that they don't want to use their free product, and they want to put a price tag on it for the taxpayer, they can do that, and they can create a different curriculum as long as it has those four tenets in it. And so really what they're arguing about is a non-issue, and it's up to them whether or not they want to burden the taxpayer or whether they're going to use the free material that is being offered. Yeah. Amen to that. I loved it. I was listening to some of the testimony that you were doing in the chamber during that conversation with Eddie Eagle and then some of the Democrat response that was, well, (laughs) if we're going to have educating children on guns, then obviously there's a danger for children to be around guns. So therefore, we should repeal constitutional carry and not allow them to carry on like college campuses and other places as well, because they shouldn't be around them at all. Then we could just tell everybody to run away from the gun is kind of what I got from the other side here. Oh, my goodness. Not only that, that when they were actually working the bill just a couple days ago, um, one of the representatives decided to go on a soapbox spiel 
about, you know, how dangerous guns are and all of this stuff, actually proving our point for us <laughs> that, listen, if you think that guns are dangerous, if you are afraid of these firearms, you should want kids to stop, don't touch, run away, and tell a grown-up. Yeah. The fact that you're arguing about it and voting against it means that you don't actually believe that they're as scary as you keep trying to tell people that they are. And so it is it is an ongoing, everybody has an opinion. And quite frankly, you don't have to respect someone else's opinion. If it's, if it's garbage, it's garbage. What yeah. you do have to respect is their right to share that opinion. You get to have it. You get to say it out loud. The rest of us can all sit back and go, you're proving our point for us. Yeah. you might want to stop talking now. It's it's very sad. You're right. They proved their own points on why we need this type of legislation. At the same time, I'm getting concerned because we see videos of other countries where they're teaching their children about them. They have mandatory time in the military or they teach them. I mean, we have the videos of like rushing kids, you know, blindfolded, being able to dismantle a firearm and put it back together. Or here in a, in, the, in America, in many places, we have kids calling 911 because they heard a balloon pop and thought that it was a firearm going off and they're so scared of a firearm there. We have a ways to go to educate children to decide whether they want to use firearms or not, but at least educate them so that way they're not fearful of them, which is kind of where we're at in many scenarios right now, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. The fear thing, we've been talking about that for years. Fear is not helpful. Ignorance in this area is not helpful. What we have to do as a society, whether you own guns, whether you like guns or not, what we have to do is change it from a discussion of fear into a discussion of respect. This is what these tools are designed to do. This is how these tools operate. This is how to be safe with these tools. Respect the tool, respect life, and respect your rights. And so it's, it is difficult for me to sit back and watch people spread the message of fear because that is what is dangerous. Yeah. And, I mean, we could talk about that all day long, and we kind of have before, yeah. <laughs> I believe. Uh, no, yeah. No, it's a great conversation to have. Outside of Eddie Eagle, has there been other conversation regarding other types of Second Amendment legislation this year, or has that topic been relatively quiet this year? Well, it's been somewhat quiet, but it's never it's never fully quiet. This is Kansas. And so uh, we actually have a bill that Chris Kobach spent a lot of time discussing on the campaign trail, and I was happy to be able to present it to our federal state on the House side. J.R. Clace has it on the Senate side, and it's a bill that will get rid of the $100 that when you apply for your concealed carry permit, that you have to write that check out to the attorney general's office. So that you have to pay them to exercise a right. And the thing that I say all the time, and I've been saying for years, is having to pay to exercise a right is always wrong. Yeah. And it. so we we did see that in Fed and State. Um, and it just got worked uh, just a few days ago. So it, it will be, I guess it's below the line now. And whenever that does come up above the line, when we actually get to talk about that, on the floor of the house, I will be sending out um, information to people if they want to come in support 
of getting rid of that concealed carry fee. Now, the left has constantly, forever, been all about, we want more background checks. We want more training. We want to be in your business. We want to know that you're carrying. Well, now they're arguing that they don't like this getting rid of the $100, the, the tax that we have put on being able to exercise our rights. They don't like that. However, what they're missing is that that will free up more low-income people to be able to afford to get that background check and go through the training and let them be in their business and get the fingerprints and all of that. And so it's almost like they just don't want low-income people to apply for their concealed carry license. Mm, Funny how that works. Right? And so it has been a really interesting dynamic when we're saying, no, we want more people to go through this process, which typically that goes against what I believe, which I believe in constitutional carry. And you should be able to carry because it's your right to carry. The Second Amendment outlines it, but that right comes from God. And so for me to be on the other side of it saying, no, let's let more people have access to running a background (laughs) check and things like that seems to be against what I would normally say, but there are still a lot of good reasons to have your concealed carry license, like state reciprocity and things like that. Sure. And so now that they're having to fight against what they actually believe, what they've been pushing for all of this time, it's almost comical to watch. Yeah, it's hilarious to watch. Uh, Rebecca, we got just a couple minutes as we kind of wrap up here. But as you mentioned with uh, with that one, now that we see the executive order coming out from the Biden administration regarding universal background checks and then pushing on trying to control through, not through Congress, but through the executive orders and through the executive uh, administration, uh, is there conversation now in the state to try and create some type of protections or block that in any way, shape or form here in Kansas? There is always that conversation going on under the surface. We have never stopped talking about how to keep the federal government out of Kansans' business. And so we are actually looking, and we have been working on the wording for a SAPA, the Second Amendment Protection Act, that would be similar to the one in Missouri. Now, the one in Missouri just got shot down by a federal judge, just somebody bent on that they don't like rights. Um, And so now we're really diving hard into what wording they are saying is unconstitutional about it and what wording we can use so that we don't fall into that same trap. Now, that's not an active in committees right now, Bill, but that is an ongoing conversation that we are happy, happily having because the more we can protect the rights of Kansans, the better off Kansas is going to be. And quite frankly, the federal government is overstepping in every direction right now. And we need to do something in order to be that firewall between the federal overreach and our constituents. Man, I love it. Yeah, working on that blockade, trying to build up that wall a little bit. There's so much more I want to talk to you about. It's State Representative Rebecca Schmoy from District Number 59. Real quick, in about 45 seconds or so, I know you're on the K-12 through Education Budget Committee. The big news, obviously, this week also came out regarding the school choice bill, uh, where we can actually have maybe a savings account to go to different schools and have the choice for different educational opportunities for us. Uh, but we also threw in some of the stuff the other side wanted with special education funding 
and so on and so forth. I know it passed by a slim margin, but are you optimistic about this moving forward and the governor even supporting it? Or do you think we're going to see a veto come out of that one? I think she's probably, I mean, knowing the game, I think she's probably watching the numbers and deciding whether or not she wants to be on record vetoing teacher pay increases and special education (laughs) funding. Um, I think there's probably a lot of conversation happening about that uh, behind the scenes. But really what, the reason why I voted yes on this is because when given the option that we were presented I chose to err on the side of parents making decisions for their kids, teachers getting a raise, special education getting an increase in funding, and students actually being the focus of education instead of us focusing only on the institution. We have done that far too long. Our students deserve better. Amen to that. I'm hoping we can finally see this happen. If we can make that happen this year, that would be a great success for the legislative session of this year. What a crazy time. It's State Representative Rebecca Schmoy, District Number 59. Rebecca, always good to talk to you, my friend. I'm so glad things are going well up in the legislature this year, for especially for your freshman year. You're getting a lot of a, a lot of fun things going on up there this year. Rebecca, have fun. we got to get you back on again soon to get another update. Absolutely. I, I love hanging out with you. It's the best part of my day. I, likewise. Always a pleasure. We'll do it again here very, very soon. It's just State Rep, uh, state Representative Rebecca Schmoy. Good stuff. Man, we'll get her back on again here real soon. All right, we'll take a break. We'll open up phone lines to you for the last half hour of the program. Can you imagine how fast this has gone for a Saturday? Our post-St. Patrick's Day Saturday. And we're going to rock it right here on the show. Open lines to you at 316-721-8255. Lots more coming up. Stay right here. Moving through the morning here. Welcome back into it. It is Kansas Talk on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM on a post at St. Patrick's. It's it's not post. It was Friday, man. we got to celebrate it this weekend. It's St. Patrick's Day weekend here on Kansas Talk. Welcome into it. And top of the morning to you as we get started off here. Thanks again to Rebecca Schmoy coming on the program, District Number 59. And we appreciate her time very, very much. All right, when we come back, it's open lines to you for the last half hour. I think we got our second phone line working as well. So multiple lines open at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on our maximum outdoor equipment hotlines. We'll do that when we come back right around the corner here for our news break here on Candace Talk on KQAM. Stay here. They've got one in Moscow, too. they got four of them in Sydney and a couple in Kathmandu. So whether you sing or call a pint, you'll always have a job. Because wherever you go around the world, you'll find an Irish pub. Now the owner is Norwegian and the manager comes from Cork. And the lad that's holding up the bar says only he just work. He was born and bred in Bolton, but his nanny's from Kildare. And he's got to make his fortune soon and move to County Clare. You're listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Down the 
for those that don't know this song, it is the walkout song for Conor McGregor when he does his MMA fighting. So just throwing that out there. <laughs> Got him a great one. Welcome back into the program. On the home stretch here, last half hour of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK if you want to join in on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. we got the lines up and running and working for you. And no more. Get, i got one more recorded interview we'll play a little bit later. It's a quick one, but it's open lines to you on any of the topics that we've covered throughout the day this morning on some big issues going on in Topeka. It's been a fun one. As Republicans kind of sort of uniting Democrats even coming on board with Republicans on many issues as well realizing that maybe we can get rid of some partisanship and actually work on what's actually good for your district good for your area good for your community and some are doing that we got to give shout out to those when uh, when Democrats actually want to jump on board and work with Republicans because it's the right thing to do we got to applaud them we got to praise them. We can't just be like, oh, you're still a Democrat, so thanks, but no thanks, and move on. We have to applaud them and give them the shout-outs. Marvin Robinson, District Number 35 in the Kansas City area, a big-time Democrat, all about the school choice, all about the school choice bill, and flipped over, and as we saw, what, four, five, six, 12, whatever it was, Republicans vote against it because the apparently teachers' unions have a strong arm on them or they're being bought and paid for by Governor Kelly or whatever the case may be on why Republicans are not supporting that bill. And we saw a very narrow margin of that bill actually pass the House of Representatives. Uh, One Democrat, Marvin Robinson, actually passing that one and supporting it and uh, hearing behind the scenes kind of the, uh, the brutal attack of the other side, especially for being a minority individual. Man, you would think that if Republicans would be doing that, they would be called the biggest racists out there. I know it. How dare you want to walk away from the plantation? But that's the way the Democrats are. So they've been putting a lot of pressure on him, but he stood his ground at realizing the opportunity and what's great for the school choice bill. Marvin Robinson, a hat tip to you, my friend, District Number 35, Democrats, for supporting that school choice bill. Uh, so we have one Republican that's actually working with us. The other side, however, Governor uh, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly, not quite sure why she chose to veto the transgender athletes bill, the women's sports bill, uh, when she openly said during the campaign trail, of course, it's common sense that guys shouldn't be competing and women's sports, why in the world would we think otherwise? So we put a bell out there saying that that's what needs to happen. No, no, no. It's an attack on transgender communities. Very weird. I don't know. I don't, I don't quite get her logic there, especially when uh, it's kind of common sense and other states are doing it across the board. And while she said she wants to work across the aisle, she wants to be open and, and not be partisan, and she said it's common sense for something like that to happen, but yet... She continues to veto that one as well. So the uh, the Democrat caucus beginning to crumble in the state of Kansas as now we're seeing some wicked, wild, independent, free thinkers as opposed to just getting on board and doing what the caucus tells you to do. That's the way we roll, baby. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning, Andy. It's Nick. Mr. Nick, how are you, my friend? Very well, sir. Very well. Thank you. Hey, uh, Reefer Madness is alive and well in the state of Kansas. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> I, it's so weird, man. I and I, I get it. I understand the frustration because we had three decently solid bills this year in the legislature on the marijuana issue, and again, didn't go anywhere. And I didn't press a lot of the legislators hard this morning because it really comes from a lot of the leadership that just wants to keep it below the line, and I don't know why. I don't understand. We well, have you two. Can't, 
We're sandwiched between two states with recreational. We have Oklahoma that has medical that shot down their recreational. Cool. But we're only one of three states in the in the nation that hasn't done anything on this issue. We have to address it in some way here soon. We have to just get on board and get in the 21st century and realize it's going to happen, and we need to be on the forefront of this. I was getting really discouraged until I found out that next week in uh, Senate Ways and Means Committee, Senate Bill 307 is going to be heard that would add the definition of qualified applicant to the Kansas Fights Addiction Act. Uh, You could have for-profit private entities now to uh, combat uh, addiction, and I think that is a very slippery slope uh, to where, you know, the, the Kansas Fights Addiction Act was supposed to be about opioids and the opioid crisis and all the money from the pharmaceutical companies uh, giving out opioids. But it's morphed into, instead of focusing on opioids, we're just going to general addiction abatement. Well, what's the low-hanging fruit with general addiction abatement? Yeah. Cannabis. Because cannabis arrest and cannabis is, is easy to find out, and, and apparently with they're still Trojan horsing that uh, old gateway drug theory. And so we're going to have these. We're, the bill proposes to have for profit entities doing addiction treatment. And that's terrible. Now, look at uh, Missouri right now. Um, there are 478 Kansas citizens that have Missouri medical cannabis cards. So they're going back and forth on the state line. So the, the next question is do, you, do we want our money? Uh, going to the enforcement uh, of that. And then our our Mr. Ed Klump, the uh, lobbyist for all the law enforcement agencies, said it best a couple weeks ago on the House Corrections and Juvenile Justice. He basically admitted that that law enforcement used cannabis as a gateway into uh, searching other parts of the vehicle. And so the problem is with cannabis being on the Controlled Substances Act, if the cop doesn't want to charge the person with a cannabis crime, they can search the car. If they don't find anything like cocaine or guns or anything like that, they could confiscate the cannabis and shake the guy down for $43, and he's just happy that he didn't go to jail. So we'll ask that forfeiture and all that. But um, let me tell you, the conservative, if you're wanting to conserve slavery, then count me out of being conservative because I am not for slavery, and this is where this all is going, and I hate it. It pisses me off. So bad, but I have to maintain my humility and go back and say, okay, how do I show love to the people who uh, are are doing this and 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 still fight like Joe Pag said, get up to fight another day. But yeah, well, uh, here's, here's, here's the thing to look at. Kansas. You're right. Here's the thing to look at. And look, it will happen eventually. We have to. I mean, whether we like it or not, whether people want it or not, it's it, it, something's got to happen. Something's got to be changed because you're right with people going. To Colorado, going to Oklahoma, going to Missouri, I mean, you're not going to be able to stop it from coming into the state. So the question is, are we going to sink money in on programs to actually track it and make it safe here in Kansas? Or are we going to beef up law enforcement to stop every car coming across one of our three uh, one, uh, three of our four borders to make sure that you don't have anything in your vehicle? Something else to consider, and I don't know that the legislature's considered this aspect of it or not, is as we talk about this ongoing fentanyl crisis right now, we have to remember, and as we just talked with Chris Kobach, uh, the attorney general, a few weeks ago regarding the fentanyl issue, the fentanyl overdosing is not someone taking a fentanyl pill and then all of a sudden killing over and dying. The fentanyl overdosing that's going on 
Is fentanyl being laced in other things, whether it's prescription pills that they're not getting from actual doctors, whether they're uh, actually taking hits on marijuana or something else that's laced with it and they didn't know that it was laced with it, and just a tiny amount of fentanyl can actually kill somebody. To me, I would think that would be an argument even for those that don't like the marijuana issue to talk about legalization because in most states now, that have legalized marijuana, you can actually track it from the growing of the plant in the ground at a particular farm to where it's being sold at the store, recreational or medicinally, and you can track it to know exactly where it's been, who's handled it, and from there on. And I think that would be a way to fight against the the fentanyl issue rather than getting it in a backdoor alley, not knowing where it came from or who actually grew it or who's handling it, when we can actually track it from plant in the ground to actually on the store shelves. And that would be a way to help battle fentanyl without a bunch the, uh, of people getting illegal marijuana. I, I think the um, fentanyl issue, the, the reaper madness people are actually trying to tie that in. We shouldn't uh, let cannabis out because it will allow more fentanyl. And I don't understand that correlation or anything, but I think the fentanyl is being shown up in like the vaping apparatus. And to be very frank and, and just cut it to the bone, I would be fine with making synthetic opioids uh, illegal and, and having consequences for that. The natural plant, though, should not be uh, a, a controlled substance. And the seeds, the seed to sale systems, if you listen to the uh, testimony from the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics deputy director, he said that's a farce. There's so many ways to get around the seed to sale uh, system. It's just another technology thing to, uh, you know, have sell like drug testing and, and stuff like all the people uh, make money off of uh, doing it that way. But um, it, it, this this is, you know, five years ago, I watched or however long it was, I watched a crop of conservative senators get out of the legislature uh, because they were their conservative was a little skewed. And I think there's good parts of conservative but then there's also bad parts of conservative, which this is, is one of them. And I don't, I don't think this is actually conservative, but all these people have been taken out. Uh, and, and I'm just worried that we're going to have another crop of conservatives that are that are taken out in this next election. I, I don't know. I, I don't have all the answers, but I do know that cannabis prohibition is wrong. And uh, I guess I'll just. Keep on fighting. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep on fighting, my friend. And you know what? Persistence pays off. And you know what? I think they're going to have to realize that they have to address the issue one way or the other here relatively soon. Nick, I appreciate it, my friend. Always good to chat with you. And happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Let's go to the phone to your line at number two. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick, how are you, my friend? I am just fine. You know about this crazy stuff of man being a woman, woman being a man, and all kinds of little stuff like that. Remember that our president of the United States, who's supposed to be an example of what a good human being is supposed to be, on his cabinet, he has a man that wears a dress, okay? Mm. Well, I there's mean, that. I mean, look, if you, if you can do that, like I said on the show yesterday during the, the Voice of Reason, if you're able to do that, then look, it may be St. Patrick's Day, but I think I self-identify as a black individual who lives in San Francisco so I can get my $5 million reparations. Can I do that? I mean, obviously we can in today's times. <laughs> well, you know, we also got a president whose son um, knocked up a stripper. At the same time, he was having something going on with his dead brother's wife. Mm. I mean, Andy, you know, I thought the 
I thought the president and his family and all this, I thought they were supposed to be a shining example of what you're supposed to do in this life. And this this guy has just dragged this down into the gutter. And it's, and, and it's so sad yeah. because he's supposed to be an example for the young people in this country. And he's anything but an example. He and his family, good gosh. I'm telling you, it's a crazy world out there now because you're right. There's a lot of they're pushing the boundaries uh, over and over. And it really reinforces the idea that, again, government cannot regulate morality in any way, shape or form. As we talked about earlier with uh, State Representative Paul Wagner on the foster care program and the family unit, government, either one side or the other, trying to enforce the family unit or trying to tear apart the family unit. Government cannot regulate morality in this country. It has to be led by example and it has to be led by families that just say, These are our values. This is what we stand for and believe in. And we're going to instill those values into our children to make the best decisions they can. And yes, the the times are going to change. Things are going to happen. Things are going to be a little bit different. But to hold on to those core values is what it's all about. And when they walk away as an adult with those core values, then they're going to be better off with it. And we're seeing right now the breaking apart of those core values because they're sabotageurs, I believe, that are intentionally wanting to break that apart to create anarchy in the system for the opportunity for additional control through government. Andy, whatever happened to several years ago when the women's march to have more women's rights and women's, they wanted to be in the Marine Corps, they wanted to do this and do that, then all of a sudden you have a woman that's the governor of our state that wants to have um, some some guy that's supposed to be a woman being sports now. I mean, <laughs> Andy, this 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 whole world is so screwed up. Yeah, well, you know, I, I want to go back. I want to go back to 1950s. Okay, right. I want to go back further than that. I want to go back to the times to where you just live out in the middle of nowhere and just survive on your own. I want to go back about a thousand years ago is uh, where I want to go and just say to hell with everything. Uh, But you're right. I mean, the feminist movement, and again, that's why I'm curious about where the feminists stand on this. I mean, the movie G.I. Jane, for example, was a great movie. And you know what? If some women want to get into the military and because they have toughness, look, there are are MMA women fighters that would kick my butt, and I don't want anything to do with them. Uh, And there are a lot of very strong women out there. All the power to you, my friend. Power to the women. You know, go at it and do your thing. But they worked hard to get to that point. And then all of a sudden, the same organization, the Democrat Party, the socialist movement, that hyped them up and said, yeah, you know what, women power all all, all the power for them. They're now the ones saying, well, you know what, all the power to you. But now women, uh, men are going to come in and pretend to be like you and then just dominate everything that you work work so hard to create. And we're just going to take it away from you. That's kind of counterproductive towards the whole feminist movement. You know, Andy, uh, dear old Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton had a sex. (laughs) with a genuine woman in the White House. At least Bill Clinton knew what a woman looked like, okay? I mean, I mean... <laughs> oh, how the times have changed for the Democrats. Bill Clinton's a saint compared to what we have in the White House right now. You yeah. know, isn't that, isn't that strange? Bill Clinton, a saint, compared to what we have right now? That's crazy. It's, it's a crazy time. You're right. The fringe has definitely taken over. Frederick, I appreciate it. Last question before we let you go, and you got to take a break here, but any plans for St. Patrick's Day today? Uh, any plans for St. Patrick's? Well, uh, I was at, I was at the parade a week ago, and I did all my St. Patrick's Day 
Uh, last Saturday. There you go. You got it all out of your system last week. Well, I will eat a uh, a nice bowl of corned beef and cabbage for you, my friend, in commemoration. So, Frederick, I appreciate it. Have a wonderful weekend. Always good to chat with you. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we are going to sit down with one of the ice skaters with the Disney on Ice. Yeah, they're coming to town. It's going to be another one next weekend. It's going to be great. Make sure to go and check that out. I love the Disney on Ice. Little Voice of Reason doesn't know it's coming. So it's going to be a surprise for her like it has been every year. But we'll sit down with one of those skaters and talk about that right around the corner here as we wrap up the program for a Saturday here on Kansas Talk on the Big Talker KQAM Singer. I was really there.